two, and we are now live. All things considered, what a very dreadful sound day that we've just had. Today, Absolutely. we are mourning the fact that we had two sound inputs inhibiting <laughs> our ability to uh, go live. But now that we have been resurrected by the mute button, we are ready to proceed. Jibber jab, 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 jibber jab, 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 jab. All right. What's up, peoples? What's Welcome up? to the Q&A, episode 17. Episode 15, but it's like actually 17 because like it's written on the board. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I lost some uh, blood today. so Yeah, that's what happens when you have Wallaby internet. Sorry, Jab. Yeah. All good, all good, all good. So let's go. You want to go through the format? Who spelled Discord wrong? Wow, who spelled Discord wrong? Did I spell it wrong? I don't know, was it me? Oh, I did. I did spell Discord wrong. I, I spelled it Disord. It's because I, should I just like, uh, I think I need to go a little bit further with this. Here we go. Disorganized. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's just uh, make it worse. You know, get some of that SC demon in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or actually, just, just... Uh, pretend the C was actually like right next to the O. Yeah. And like, can't see it. Yep. All right. Good luck seeing that behind my head, though. Just saying. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, as per the format, we are going to start with the Patreon Platinum questions. Now, if you want number one priority when it comes to streams, you can go to, uh, um, what, Patreon slash CS Joseph. The link is below. If that's what you're interested in, you want to support the stream, you will get priority if you purchase either the silver or the platinum. Obviously, the platinum gets first priority. However, we still get through basically all the silver questions. Don't tell Chase I told you that. Um, so, yeah. Feel free to support us. Um, there's uh, plenty of benefits. If you have any ideas for benefits we can give through Patreon, I'm all ears. Like... I mean, I, I think I've said this before. Just tell me, and I'll pretend it's my idea to chase, and we'll go from there. Yeah, like um, it, that. That really works. In fact, Jab, there was this like person that contacted me or, like earlier on Discord, and they're like, "You're doing your Patreon wrong." And I was like, "Okay, tell me why I'm doing it wrong, and please inform me and educate me and criticize me on it because like I need criticism. So like by all means, tell us, please. So." That would be that would be excellent if we could uh, know that. So yeah, uh, we like criticism here, so please provide it. We want to give the absolute best service possible. We're actually working on some active product uh, projects to increase uh, what we're actually making available to our Patreon members. So that's good. Also, can so can someone say something in the uh, Patreon um, um, uh, Platinum chat? That way, uh, it actually will show up on the screen. That would be that would be nice. Uh, Wait, I think I can say something there. Patreon okay. Q&A. Not yes. the Q&A. No, the Platinum channel. Right. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Platinum channel. Got it. Which means... Which means... I need to fix that thing because I'm just terrible at... Uh... Oops! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can oops my... Yeah, it's fine. Uh... Upgrade to Platinum. Yeah, well. Should we do? Oh, yeah, but yeah. 
obviously after the Patreon uh, supporters, we go with Super Chat questions, and then after Super Chat questions, we will go to Discord questions. If another Super Chat Patreon... Sorry, if another Super Chat or Patreon question does occur during the middle of the Discord questions, we'll obviously go back to them. However, after we've done Discord, we usually spend, I don't know, 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes at the end answering some YouTube questions, just to wrap it up. And that's the usual uh, procedure. Also, if you don't feel like subscribing to Patreon, if you go to the CSJ website, so csjoseph.life, there is a... If you look, if you click the books tab, um, it'll go to store.csjoseph.life. It'll have a list of books of which Chase recommends himself. The interesting thing is those are actually just links to their Amazon page where we get like a small percentage of the cut. So that can still support us. The books actually don't cost anything extra if you were to look them up on Amazon themselves. So if you plan on buying these books off Amazon, just go through the CSJ store. We get some uh, cents so that I can buy a, a cheeseburger from McDonald's every now and then. And uh, yeah. Nice. So on that note. I didn't know you went to McDonald's. I haven't been to McDonald's in like, I don't know, 13 years. I think I went to McDonald's. I think I last went to McDonald's like three weeks ago or something. Okay, fair enough. All right. Oh, no, it wasn't three weeks ago. Whatever. Like four weeks, but whatever. Not important. <laughs> All right, Jack. Yeah, so... Let's fire off them platinum questions. Mr. Periani! Again, huh? The Periani man. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, Mr. Periani. Is there a cognitive function or personality type that is attracted to fictional ranking systems and hierarchy? Yes, More specifically, is. I love detailed skill and magic systems in fantasy stories and video games, and I like learning about the power ranking of anime characters, tiers, and classifications of powers. An example would be the superpowers of Wikia. So, tell us, Mr. Chase... All right, this is an interesting question I wasn't expecting, but uh, fair enough. Uh, the answer is, quite frankly, anyone who's a TE user, a well-developed TE user, could potentially. Uh, now, more specifically, if we're going to talk about content producers, not just in games, but in any fictional story and whatnot, uh, I would actually venture to state that the one that's probably the most fascinated by it would be INFPs. Uh, because INFPs, when they're, when they're writing, they're really focused on world-building, and uh, it's not just good enough for them to like do like one linear story or even a multi-linear story, uh, like where like a well a trilinear story we'll, we'll say, and just kind of weave it mm -hmm. together for like their entire uh, their entire narrative and whatnot. That's just not really what's going to happen. Uh, they like to do uh -huh. world building because their expert intuition parent has to like uh, boil the ocean and do all the things at once to the point like. For example, when an extroverted intuitive is going to like create uh, their like a fantasy novel and whatnot, they actually create like the whole world map and where all the locations are and how long it takes to travel mm -hmm. between various locations and whatnot. They literally start from the world map and then work their way down from there, uh, as well as like. the systems and, and things at that standpoint, which is kind of what like George R. R. Martin did with Game of Thrones, for example. Oh, I was just about to plug that in, and then you're like, you keep cutting me off, and then say it yourself. Thanks, Chase. Ah, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
exactly. Although, like, there's arguments to be made about George R. R. Martin being uh, an INFP versus an INTP, so it's kind of like, okay, which which is it? We should probably do a how to type episode on George R. R. Martin pretty soon just to determine the truth. Uh, I, I have yeah. been able to argue either way, but I haven't really sat down and actually verified it, so we could check that out. Awesome. So uh, what's next in the Platinum chat for us? All right, Mr. Aiden W. Uh, from memory, I think that is Mr. Wojcniz himself. Ah, Mr. Wojcniz. Very nice. I, I remember your name, sir. I remember your name, sir. Yes. And what he asks is, why do other tests default to INTJ when they can't figure out what you are? <laughs> okay. Well... I have a specific episode about that coming out, uh, but quite frankly, think about it this way. Uh, I'm an ENTP, and when I first took the test, I tested as an INTJ. Uh, the reason is, is because as ENTPs, I'm the most introverted of the extroverts because of SI inferior, and being that my subconscious uh, link to SI inferior is an ISFJ, so it's behind the scenes. Uh, so it already is testing, like I'm already answering a lot of the questions as an introvert. Okay, and then it's like, oh yeah, you're abstract, so you're obviously an, an N basically at that point. But in terms of coming up with like thinking versus feeling uh, and whatnot, quite frankly, uh, it's like, oh, you're more J, right? Well, that's because I have TI, right? So someone who's considered like more J, you know, it's like, oh, an introverted... Um, you know, an introverted uh, decision-making function comes off more J than like an extroverted uh, decision-making function. Because you have something like uh, like FE that would come off differently, right? So I, the lecture that I have will go into it specifically, how the test is actually misidentifying cognitive functions. Uh, and it's one of our bonus episodes for season 15. I'm just going to keep adding to season 15 content because we already have how to prevent mistyping in there. And we're going to talk about how the MBTI test itself actually produces uh, mistypes and why, uh, mechanically speaking, uh, with through their algorithms and whatnot that they utilize, uh, it's actually flawed and, quite frankly, mm -hmm. should be a test everyone should abandon uh, sooner than later. Uh, so, well, that's the thing, like... According to the MBTI, feeling versus thinking is effectively just the feelative versus pragmatic. However, what you see is with some feeling types, especially with the senses, is that they're actually pragmatic. Oh, so that actually would break down. But I'm an INFJ man, and I have extroverted feeling. And when I take the test, it just automatically assumes I'm an FI user, so I come out as an INFP because my feeling is so outside of myself and the test can much easier detect it and it automatically assumes I'm an FI user because it's it's just so strong it has to be an introverted feeling function because it's a source. Yeah, right. Okay. So that's that's appropriate. Great. How about we just right. give people a test that's really only useful for ballparking and then just continues to provide misfire after misfire after misfire. And then I have to deal with people consistently complaining to me over and over again about, oh, hey, you know, you're like this, uh, you're, who are the INFJs episode is like one of the worst I've ever seen in my whole life. How could you like literally do that? Like you do not <laughs> understand us at like, all. Oh my God. 
Oh my god, understand it. Oh my god. Oh my god. And then I'm like, okay, like seriously, let me break it down for you. Here, I'm gonna link this other lecture to you. And hopefully, because since you're obviously like emotionally triggered by watching the Who Are the INFJs lecture as an INFP, and it's like you're automatically not gonna instantly listen to what I say because hashtag your head is in the sand, right? Your head is in the freaking sand. And then I give you the link to the how do the INFJs compare to the INFPs lecture, and then Oh, mind blown, right? And then it's like, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I should have like listened, you know? Oh, but no, they're just not gonna, they're just gonna stop watching because I'm like automatically wrong because they would rather believe a test instead of an expert. Okay, sure. Like, right. how about, oh, that's right, INFPs, they don't like verifying all the time. They don't always do that. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. So when a TI user uh -huh. actually challenges them, you know, it's like, oh, you disagree with what I said. Okay, well, here's another lecture that says why you should agree with me. And then you know what? Every now and then when those INFPs are like, oh, hey, thank you so much for linking that other lecture. I realized I wasn't an INFJ all along. You just go into that lecture. How do INFJs compare to INFPs? Just go to that lecture, read the comments about people admitting they're wrong. Ah. It gives me lots of warm fuzzies inside, and <laughs> it really, really vindicates my SE demon. Just, it's like, ah. Because, you know, when you just gotta get that stab in there and you don't just twist the knife as much as you can, you really feel justified. So, anyway, what's you got for me next? All right, from Mr. Washness himself again. Apparently I was mispronouncing his name. He asks, why do you say that the two types in the social compatibility videos are not necessarily the most compatible types? Yet, in your Golden Couples video, you say that the top types are the most compatible in every way. Is any type's most socially compatible type not their most romantic or sexually compatible type? No. The number one in social compatibility is the number one in every single algorithm that we have. Emotional compatibility, sexual compatibility, romantic compatibility, professional compatibility, educational compatibility, medical compatibility, all of them. Every single one of them. The absolute number one in your social compatibility list is the same as everywhere else. Because you don't want to look at it as a multi-ranking system. You want to look at it like... Um, I don't know, like a pie, I guess, like a pie chart, except at the very center point is the type that you are, have highest compatibility with, and it just kind of branches out from there, I guess, you know, like a solar system or, or like an atom with electrons and protons and orbiting around the nucleus, etc. But the nucleus itself is the two types come together, right? So that's, that's how that works. Uh, don't look at it as like a, a ranking system amongst all of them. Look at each individual algorithm actually coming from a, a fixed point in space-time, um, you know, within four different dimensions, which represents, you know, the different directions that can, they can go. And then the compatibility chains actually go out and extend out from that fixed point in space, etc. for a total of different, of eight different algorithms that you could work with. So more on that later, though. Yeah, um, Mr. Periani this time asks, if type is influenced by early nurture, are there certain cultures and countries that promote certain cognitive axes developed? Okay, so certain cultures and countries about uh, cognitive axes developing. 
yeah, like so. Are yeah, there certain cultures that promote certain nexuses from development? Yeah, of course. Like uh, United States of America promotes uh, high S I N E S I N E for sure, and then T E F I. Basically, those kind of axes are very favored here. It's the same thing in the United Kingdom, very favored. Whereas in uh, Japan, it's introverted intuition and extroverted sensing, uh, with uh, extroverted thinking and introverted feeling. So it's basically INTJ land is. Uh, you know, Yagami Light, doing it right uh, in Japan. That's that's basically the Japanese way of doing things. Whereas Australia, it's introverted intuition plus extroverted sensing as that axis combined with uh, introverted feeling and extroverted thinking as well. It's basically kind of like an ISFP-related society for the most part. You can actually apply uh, types that are most preferred to each society. The United States is an ESTJ, basically, uh, specifically. You know, walk softly but carry a big stick right? That's the uh, entire uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, doctrine, uh, if, for those of you that uh, pay attention to history, right? So uh, that's how that would, uh, that would go by. So what's next? Okay, the next question is, you mentioned, so Mr. Washness again, and he says, you mentioned that based on the coupling of two parents, a child will end up in a certain quadrant. Yes. What then determines which type of the ego becomes? Sorry, which type the ego becomes? And how does it work to your understanding? Whichever, whichever type that the person is in that quadra at the time of adolescence is, uh, or at the end of adolescence, basically, is when, uh, is when the ego is chosen. So you go into adolescence, and when you've completed adolescence, your ego is your ego based on that, where that location in the quadra. And if you're stuck in the shadow of that ego in that particular quadra, then that your ego is locked in basically. More about that in season 17. Right. Okay. Do you think it's viable for everyone to learn typology and for it to become ingrained in society? Yes, absolutely. And that's what we work on every oh, single that's day. <laughs> that's the plan here. That's the plan. Yeah. All right, so that's all the platinum questions. Let's go awesome. to the uh, silver. silver. Yeah, long jo long jab silver. I'm I'm assuming these lines you put here last week is where we were last up to because I left early. All right. Okay, so Runic Ice, uh, Runic Knight asks, "Hey Chase and Jab, INTP wanting tips for decision making, as this can be really hard for me sometimes." For example, the other day on my lunch break, I had forgotten to bring lunch and went to the local shops to get something to eat. I was tired and worn out and likely not thinking straight, but I couldn't work out any particular benefit in what to eat. I ended up having a panic attack because I could not decide. It's easy to make choices when there is a clear benefit, but there isn't. But when there isn't, I really struggle no matter how meaningless the choice is. The example is an extreme case, not often like that but the rare occasion when it is intense is frightening so what do you mean by benefit? so he's saying i mean there's benefit in eating food right so I, is this like a micronutrient argument is this a macronutrient argument what's the argument you know what i mean i need more information um I think the point is, when making a decision-making uh, process, unless you can deliberately figure out how what he's doing is going to benefit him somehow, and you can quantify it, then he seems to have struggled with making that decision. 
Okay, yeah, because he's probably in an environment where people are like, do what feels good, man. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And you all want to do that. And his, any parent is getting in the way. And he's not allowing himself to like want things because he's afraid that it's going to engage his demon. Because he's like, well, do other people value this? And that's really what it comes down to. If you need help making decisions, that's an INTP. Go up to other people. I was thinking this. How do you feel about it? Do you feel good about this decision? That's all you have to do. You have to go to a third party and get information until your introverted sensing has enough life experience in it to remember all of the times anyone has ever told you that they liked something or they valued something for XYZ reason. And if your TI hero actually agrees with it, then great, make the decision. But the thing is, is that the reason why you're not able to actually make decisions really well on your own is because you obviously don't have enough contact with other human beings with which you know, you need in order for your introverted sensing to remember what other people value so that you could think highly enough or well enough about what it is you're actually going to eat. So quite frankly, it's your fault by not being exposed enough to other human beings to actually assist you with making those decisions or at least train your introverted sensing to have the long-term memory to be able to figure out, okay, hey, you know, it's probably a good thing for me to eat this right now. Otherwise, uh, Maybe I should like suggest some books to you. Uh, I got a book uh, down here. Um, read uh, Joel Furman's Eat to Live. Just start there. You know, maybe you should be so reading and educating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, I don't <laughs> even know if it's at csjoseph.life. We'll have to confirm that. Uh, but read Eat to Live. What's I just called? got a Project. yeah, Eat to Live by Joel Furman. And I just got another book. It's on my desk over there. It's called Alkalize or Die. So maybe it would be best if you would actually like study the benefits of food uh, and nutrition uh, before necessarily uh, asking other people if they feel good about n nutrition because that's a bad idea because no one actually knows nutrition. Like it's very rare that anyone actually knows anything about nutrition. Everyone likes to claim they're an expert. It's especially bad when you're talking about lifting. Like it's really bad. You get that locker room talk and it's like, yeah, bro. I mean, you should do the two day split, man. Or no, 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 no. I prefer pyramid training or no, no, no. I like the Romanello method. No, no, no. I like the Michael Matthews method. I like this method. I like the Schwarzenegger method. I like Reg Park or Reg Park. Like it's it, honestly, uh -huh. I have no clue. There's so many different opinions, and most of the time, people are just trying to sell you on their thing instead of actually telling you the truth. It like, It's yep. so hard to separate the truth from the lies, especially when it comes to lifting and exercise and food because everyone has an opinion about it, and I honestly just want to squelch it out to the point where my only choice is to just figure something out for myself and experiment until I find something that works because, and which that could take me an additional 10 years of hard work. Oh, but that would require dedication and devotion. Like, do, do a lot of people have that? No, and that's why they give up. That's the problem, right? So, so yeah, that's how I'd answer that question, Jeb. Okay, um, next question. Hi, Chase. How can an INFJ female keep an ENTP male entertained and not get bored of you? Thanks. Oh, I think I know the answer to this question. All right. I'm going to go a little deep on this one. All right, so let's talk about the INFJ-ENTP relationship, argued oftentimes as the golden pair for ENTP or INFJ. And I'm here to say it's not, like at all. 
it's not the golden pair. While they have the absolute highest sexual compatibility with each other, and quite frankly, that relationship is mostly solved by sex consistently. It's like literally that relationship where it's like, where we fight like cats and dogs, and it's an absolute emotional trauma fest, but as soon as we take it to the bedroom, everything's okay again. You, you ever hear people like that? You ever, you ever get exposed to people like that? Like that's literally what happens, right? That's literally what happens. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, you, you have uh, like, so an INFJ and they end up with a, uh, an INFP or an ENFP, ENFP preferably, you know, they have all their emotional needs met. So they're getting the sexual compatibility and the emotional compatibility in one, basically, within the context of that relationship, instead of the ENTP plus INFJ relationship where your only real saving get grace is sex. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing that's really keeping the relationship together between NTPs and NFJs sexuality because there is, no one's emotional needs are actually being met and then as a result like because you have ENTP INFJ you have two FE users competing for okay well you need to give me recognition no you need to give me recognition or you need to value me no you need to value me and it's just this constant cluster over and over and over again and and why would anyone like actually you know want to put themselves in that area now of course if you're like if, uh, if you had some abuse in your life or if you're dealing with like codependency problems, which by the way, you need to read like codependency, codependent no more by a Melody Beattie. If you haven't read that book, like seriously, what are you doing? In fact, if you're an INFJ and you're listening or watching and you haven't read that book, what are you doing? Like that book is literally written for NFJs because NFJs have this problem with codependency more so than most mm -hmm. of the types. But uh, with that being said, uh, Make sure, like, from an ENTP standpoint, it's like, how do I keep an ENTP interested? Well, I mean, you just make them as comfortable as possible and tell them that you want them. You know, uh, I recommend watching uh, season 21, episode 8. And that is how to social engineer ENTPs. Utilize those tactics as put forth in how to social engineer ENTPs, and you'll predominantly be successful. Just understand, uh, to whoever the, whoever the INFJ is, your emotional needs won't be met. And how dare you expect the ENTP to meet your emotional needs or be emotionally available to you? It's not going to happen. It's not. They have FI trickster. Why, why do you think it would happen? But, but I know that like I could emotionally develop him and maybe I could teach him and, and train him to feel and... Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. No. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no, no, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. And quite frankly, uh, yeah, not, not, not doing, not doing the NFJ peace pipe. Def definitely not. No, not, not on that one. Because as much as, as, as great as sexual compatibility is, as great as that is, if you don't have the emotional compatibility to go with it, it's just not worth it. Because like what it does is it takes away all of the joy out of the relationship. And is that sustainable in the long run? No, no, it's not. So anyway, no. next. Yeah, I mean, if I can add something to that question, like. All right, biggest, yeah, 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 Let, let's add, add it up. <laughs> the biggest problem I've seen with NFJ NTP relationships is the NFJ being incredibly insecure without any nemesis and questioning the loyalty of the NTP. And then the NTP gives that cliche like, I've been nothing but loyal to you and how could you say this about me? 
If that happens, you're doing something wrong, and you should stop it immediately. And if you if you don't think your partner's loyal, maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship with them in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So. Like, like, l- let me break it down for you. SE Inferior goes out of their way, absolutely out of their way, to give other people a good experience consistently because they are afraid of not performing well enough, afraid of looking bad, afraid of just not being strong enough. Uh, to be able to handle a situation and they work so hard their entire lives usually especially the mature ones they work so hard to be able to gain that strength and to be able to have that strength and then just watch some np like not actually be loyal to them after all that hard work it's absolutely damning which is why it's usually a one strike rule with an se inferior which means if you screw up once you're done oh welcome to the door slam door slam zone you know so if you're an np and you're in a relationship with an se inferior guess what you need to make sure you're demonstrating loyalty immediately like immediately and in fact you have to actively work not just passively work you have to actively work to protect your relationship indefinitely because if you're not actively working towards it so it's like well you got to think to your, you got to think to yourself with your extrovert intuition oh well it's very possible that like this person may start talking to me or or this person might show up here or this or blah 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 like all those possibilities right and guess what NPs you have no excuse you have no excuse because you know because you see the future and you know what's possible so how about not leaving yourself open to attacks and specifically cutting those people out of your life immediately before anything starts. Maybe you might be more successful with your INJ relationships, right? I mean, like, like seriously, maybe you would be more successful. So anyway, what's next, Jab? Yeah. Okay. Next question comes from Crimson in Black. And she asks, if a person is in their shadow, does their higher function do their higher functions act like their lower functions? For example, if your ego has SE inferior and you're in your shadow, would you have SE demon in your shadow? The answer is technically both. Technically, yes to both. Because you can get so comfortable going in and out of your shadow like I am. Uh, you can go in and out like within like milliseconds, like super quick, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So it's almost as if like, uh, like you know how you get one of those uh, those little uh, flip book cartoons thing and you're flipping through the book and you see the cartoon move and whatnot. It's the same kind of concept with your cognitive functions when you're flipping uh, back and forth between your unconscious and your ego, super mega speed. And it's almost as if you're actually able to uh, manifest the attributes of the cognitive functions on, on both sides simultaneously, as well as as both sides, as in, as if it's almost as if you have two egos at once and then two shadows at once and you're... And then like all of a sudden you have all that information accessible right there because your mind is moving so quick as you get super, super, super mega integrated, right? That's basically how it works mechanically, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, next question. Hey, Chase, can someone be in their subconscious and still be unhappy? Thanks. Yes, you can be in your subconscious <laughs> and be unhappy. It doesn't happen very much, but it's usually because you've been put in your subconscious, not through aspiration, but because of fear, right? So if you're going into your subconscious through the gate, the fear gateway of the inferior function instead of the aspirational function, then you're not really going to be happy. Subconscious development is development of the inferior function into the aspirational. And when you aspire, you can go into your subconscious in a healthy and happy way. Otherwise, it's going to be fear-based. And since it's like all fear-based and whatnot, well, you know, 
you're not going to have a good experience there. It's or or somebody else is not going to get a good experience. One of the two, right? So definitely right. something to keep in mind. Okay. Um Hi Chase. Some civil engineer what are some civil engineering or other engineer disciplines suited for an NFJ? What type of engineering works best with Sorry, what what type of engineering work best suits INFJs? Thanks. Also, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, computer science engineering, straight up. Okay. Uh, information computer technology. Yeah, information technology engineering, absolutely. Uh, computer what about programming. Real engineering. Oh, what about real oh, engineering? oh, really? Really? <laughs> are, are we are we doing this now? Wow. Yeah, we are Thanks. doing this. Thanks. Yeah, real engineering. Oh, yeah, like, oh uh, you must be talking about those. You must be talking about those mechanical engineers, right? Or, or yeah, oh, the, yeah. those civil engineers. Or, or, wait a minute. Oh, chemical engineers. Oh, where the job market is so flooded that they can't even get a job. But apparently they're real engineers, guys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Real engineers. Okay. Well, I think I think the real engineers are the ones who are employed. That's 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 what I think. <laughs> Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> Gotta twist the knife on that one, man. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you're not gonna answer a real engineer? You're just gonna like make that smart-ass comment? I'm gonna make the smart-ass comment, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Next question: What makes ENPs the most comfortable in unfamiliar social situations? Is he inferior or is he child? Okay, <laughs> so what makes NPs comfortable in social situations? Um, okay, so here's SE users. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> SE users. Yeah, so so when I'm going into a new social situation and like I don't know anybody, I just like basically I'm a tortoise and I am in my shell, and uh, so like for example, I could be going to a bar, right? And especially if it's like a bar I've never been to before. I don't even I'm not even going with very many people. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna sit at the bar, have a drink, and then uh even though I don't drink anymore, but uh I don't even go to bars anymore. But uh like when I used to, that's what I do, and I just sit there and do nothing and uh play on my phone basically. I, I would literally be at the bar uh sipping my Blackbeard's revenge drink and uh and then uh playing uh gosh, what's that game? Um angry birds uh you know wasting my time basically when i should have been not at the bar and reading something that would have been way more useful in those days i wasted a lot of time when i was in my 20s wow but but still like uh that's kind of the direction you should be taking it's all about priority but uh there you have to do introductions si users need people to introduce them to people and actually start the conversations even though i'm an entp as a starter type right isn't it my job to start things with people no because i'm right. si inferior it's not my job to make other people comfortable in a social situation it's everyone else's job to make me comfortable in a social situation it is my job to make people feel good but i'm not going to bother making anyone feel good until I'm comfortable at least, and, and I've created this new situation I've never been to before, a comfortable situation, and that can be done with an SE user being like, oh yeah, hey Chase, how you doing? Hey, meet my friend uh, Fred here. 
Fred's uh, pretty dope. He's uh, he's an engineer uh, just like you, and well, you know. And then we have some instant camaraderie right there, and we're having conversations about engineering, about how uh, Microsoft is uh, is inferior compared to uh, VMware in virtualization, for example, and all those boring real engineering things, you know, that we talk about. So uh, that's just you know one one example, right? So uh, so yeah, you just want to make sure. Do introductions, introduce them to people, have bring people to them to engage with them, right? Because if you're not engaging with them initially and get them into their comfort zone, do you know what they're just gonna do? They're gonna sit in their subconscious and just be like, I don't care, you know what I mean? At least for an ENP, like uh, ISTJ and ISFJ subconscious, they're just gonna sit around and just kind of not really care very much. But if you do it to an INTP, a little bit different, because an INTP and an INFP, when they are in their subconscious, they actually can, you know, an ESFJ, they're not behind the scenes. They're gonna start up things on their own they'll, and they'll engage with people, INTPs are that way. So this is why like in social situations, INTPs are, even though their background behind the scenes types can and will be predominantly more extroverted than an ENTP, comparing the NTPs. That's, that's literally true, you know? Same thing goes with an INFP versus uh, uh, an ENFP. It's yep. actually very yep. possible, you know, for that to happen. But it's more, it's more separated uh, in terms of NTPs because even though I'm an extrovert in social situations that I have zero experience in and zero knowing of anyone there, yeah, I'm gonna be behind the scenes. And it's like, yeah, don't like, I'm not gonna engage with anybody. You know, unless I know something, unless until I'm like, because I'm listening with my introverted sensing and I'm trying to like see if there's anything I can react to. And then someone says something and I'm just going to get eventually like frustrated that no one's talking to me and I'm bored out of my mind. And it's like, okay, no one's made me comfortable. It is time for me to take the risk. And uh, am I going to start burning things down? Okay, yeah, I might actually burn <laughs> things down. So I'm going to take the risk and invite myself to that conversation over there and just get in the way, right? And that's what SE Demon does. It invites itself to conversations because it's like, everyone's just ignoring me anyway, so why bother? Why bother being nice anymore? There's no point. So I'm going to engage. And if they don't like me engaging, fine, I'm going to leave. Burn it down anyway. Otherwise, okay, yeah, I'm gonna bow out. And this is why ENTP specifically consistently have contingency plans. Whenever they go into a social situation, they always have some excuse or a set of excuses ready to go to bow out so they can just get out, you know? And uh, sometimes ENFPs do that, but ENFPs are very affiliative. They don't have that problem and they can actually engage more. Same thing with INFPs. This is why out of all the NPs, the ENTP is actually the most introverted in a social situation, actually. Whereas the INTP is, you know, the, the the third most introverted, and then you have the INFP and then the ENFP as the most extroverted out of the four of them, basically. So I think that covers that jab. Right. Okay. Uh, next question is: So people with the, so do people with dissociative identity disorder have different types for their different personalities? Are all their types of uh, all the types of their personalities the same type okay i have no business commenting on disassociate disassociative personality or identity disorders i have no i'm not a psychiatrist all right however right. you don't have any clinical experience i don't have any clinical experience i don't have uh credentials no and i prefer to stay away from psychiatry like the plague however 
uh, socionics, uh, and then like also a KGB experiments on people. They at least believed that they were able to extract up to 12 different archetypes from people in various torture scenarios and testing that the, that the uh, Soviets did uh, in the past. Uh, and there was some research published on that like a long time ago and some like a documentary on that at one point in time. I, I don't know where that is and I haven't really looked at the material much myself and I'm kind of parroting my mentor when I say that. So take that with many, many grains of salt. Uh, but uh, so the short answer is I have no idea. Long answer is you could probably find out. So uh, just to kind of give you guys a heads up on that. Um, but yeah, it's um, I would venture to say it's very, very possible, if not likely, that they each have their own uh, their own types. And, and according to the rumor, the maximum that they were ever able to extract out of a human being was 12, uh, 12 different ones. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that works. Okay. Um, in your last Q&A and a previous lecture, you had described how the cognitive functions, T-E-T-I-F-E-F-I, operated as a control feedback loop with T-E being the input to T-I, and TI being the processing component, FE being the output, and FI being the feedback. Yeah. Would this apply to the perception functions, intuition and sensing, or only the decision-making function, thinking and feeling? If so, in what order would, the, in what order and what functions would they be? Uh, I am so, not willing to reveal that quite yet. That is a central <laughs> component of some future content coming out. I have to balk on that question. Uh, it will be answered uh -huh. very soon, but uh, I have to say no on that one because it's a critical co component as to something that's about to be released. So not yet, but getting there. Okay. Any, ad any advice on how to write a romantic relationship between an ESFP male protagonist and an ISFJ female in a novel? What are some potential conflicts and what do these types tend to be attracted to in one another? All right. Break that down for me a little bit. Okay, so I think this lady wants to write a book, a romantic novel between where there's an ESFP male protagonist okay. and an ISFJ female. Okay. And how can she make that as realistic as possible? Like, what are the potential conflicts and what are they like in each other? Okay, so if you were going to do something like that, uh, I'd make an ESFP academic, uh, potentially an engineer or a physicist, actually an ESFP physicist, uh, who ended up uh, being recruited by um, a government contractor to help develop weapons uh, for the military. And he got involved with this ISFJ girl who happens to be um, a military uh, sergeant and whatnot. She's in the army, etc., and has been serving for a long time. And then uh, she ends up getting sent to war and whatnot. And then he ends up uh, getting involved with the war himself because he's developing weapons for this weapons contractor. And then he ends up actually going to the war area to try to test the weapons out and whatnot. And then everything gets like crazy. And then she ends up, uh, uh, you know, saving him. But through his uh, engineering and physicist feats, they're able to get out of a bind in a situation. And everyone's able to uh, go home safe. Uh, and they made the commitment to uh, love and marriage on the <laughs> battlefield. And then they went home. So I think I think that'll uh, that'll cover it. So, okay. I thought you were going to go with like the, the hippie ISFJ protesting the war, and then they end up, these two polar opposites end up falling in love. And If it was but, an INFJ, I'd go in that direction. But uh, right. this is an ISFJ we're talking about. So, this would be like a female soldier for sure. Right. Okay. All right. 
hopefully that's good enough. Uh, did you really answer the question? Like, what were they liking each other? What like, were they liking each other? Uh, the uh, the ESFP would be drawn to her sense of duty and honor and loyalty uh, to the cause. Uh, she would be drawn to just how smart, in quotes, uh, for TE Child is and helping her and providing her with input consistently about things. Uh, at first, she thought he was just nothing more than an airhead and then come to realize he's actually really brilliant and very strategic with what he does. And while he is very scatterbrained, uh, she is not and then ends up coming to appreciate that he has this inherent cuteness about him that she can't quite explain while simultaneously being moral. And then she realizes that he's being taken advantage of by this government contractor to produce weapons in such a way that actually <laughs> inhibits his morals. And she ends up feeling that it's a big betrayal and she's having to deal with this inner conflict about... Uh, 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 about the justice involved, like you know, she wants justice for for her man and everything because he's being taken advantage of, and, and his morals are are being destroyed by this government contractor creating these quote unethical weapons, etc. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's what I would think. Oh, okay, Mister NTJ. Who yeah, yeah. Apparently, I'm in. I, I, I'm an story. ENTJ. Mm. <laughs> like you just you just basically gave us the cliche like any storyteller you somebody asked you like what would an s esfp man and an isfj isfj woman loving each other and then you basically built the whole story around it yeah exactly because welcome to uh tropes and archetypes it's not that hard right you know the starter type is like john the baptist the finisher is jesus christ or look at it this way the starter type is nagato and uh and the finisher is naruto all right like come on like seriously get that handled. all right <laughs> what well, should an entp do to stay focused on finishing a project what should be what 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 should an ENTP do to st to stay focused on finishing a project? What don't have do human contact. Like seriously, don't have human contact with other people. <laughs> like just like what, put, put your yeah, you force yourself through self discipline. Throw your phone in another. This is what I have to do. Like I have to take my phone and put it in another room sometimes, and just not even pay attention to it. Turn off all my notifications. I have like a work laptop specific for work. All the notifications are turned off of it, and that's it. And I usually go into another room or another location away from my like my play computer or whatever, even though it's not really my play computer because I don't even play any games or nothing. It just happens to be where all my notifications, all my social media are just hitting me all at once, etc. Uh, you know, and cause me to have like dope, constant dopamine release in my head. It's nice to actually get away from all that technology every now and then and just kind of reset yourself through self-discipline and not be so addicted to dopamine all the time, right? So based on that, yeah. that's literally how you focus. Get away from the dopamine, turn off the notifications, and literally cut yourself off from human contact for a few hours, and you will be super mega productive. Uh, put on some music to put your SI inferior at ease. So while your SI inferior is just in la-la land about some really awesome music that you like or whatever, uh, or maybe you get like a, a scented candle and whatnot at the same time, or maybe do both at the same time, whatever can you can do to increase the zen of the environment you're in for your SI inferior so that your SI inferior becomes lulled and is super mega happy in that moment, right? You know, doing like 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 like, like the voodoo dance, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, when that happens, uh, uh, you can go into your uh, NI nemesis and just absolute focus for a couple hours. Of course, when you do that, you're going to be insanely drained afterwards, and you're going to have to have some kind of extroversion after the fact. But guess what? You just go right over to the computer with all of your notifications, and then you're back to extroversion mode and getting the dopamine again, etc. So that's basically how you would be productive in that environment. So. 
Right. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was scientifically proven that whenever you hear your phone ping from a text message or a notification pops up on your computer, you actually get a burst of dopamine in your brain. So don't do drugs if you're trying to get something done. Am I right? Unless it's coffee. Maybe you can get away with coffee. But I was describing the... Uh, who's asked that? Oh, yeah. Uh, that is Tower Guy 77 again, and that was basically, you know... Uh, for the ENTP. A super chat showed up. Do we got any more questions left in that before we hit the super we chat? Have, we have got a couple more. Okay, let's get through them real quick. All right, well, the thing is, uh, the extension of the previous question you just answered was, what can a friend do to help without causing the ENTP to rebel against... Leave the ENTP alone and don't pressure the ENTP. That's, that's what they can do, so... All right. So now we've got a series of questions here. Don't don't saddle uh, the ENTP with too many obligations. That's another one. Right. Um, some people I know with TE child are fairly old, still assume that the only way to learn anything, the only way to know anything is to have qualifications. That makes me really mad. What I'm asking, though, is why don't I also think this way since I have TE child? So ask that again, or break it down for me, Jeb. Okay, so what this person is saying, she knows people who have TE, and they're still fairly old, and they assume the only way to know anything is to have a qualification. However, this makes her mad, and she doesn't understand why, since she has TE child, why doesn't she feel the same way? Okay. Is this person an ESFP or an ENFP? I'm not sure what their type is in here. Maybe an INFJ, I think. TE child, though. I don't so, know. I, I kind of remember the name being associated with INFJ. All right. So if they're an ENFP, know. if they're an ENFP, their TE child is attached to ISTJ subconscious. They're more likely to care about uh, about credentials uh, more so than an ESFP who's attached to INTJ subconscious. Uh, so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different. It's a, it's more of a traditionalistic view versus a non-traditionalistic view. So the non-traditionalistic view is not going to care so much about the credentials, but the traditionalistic view will because it's very SI oriented, etc. Which kind of makes me like look like a freak sometimes because I'm an SI user, but I'm also a TIFE user simultaneously. And it's just like yeah, I could really I, I really don't care about credentials that much. You see what I'm saying? Although, okay. if the higher the SI, the more sense of tradition. That's why you get ISFJs and ESFJs, although they lack TE entirely, more likely to listen to people with credentials because that's what you do. No, literally, that's what you do, right? Because it's culturally acceptable. That's what you do is listen to the doctors. I don't listen to doctors. I never have. No, thank you. Yeah. Doctors don't like me because... I actually just start TI parenting them when I'm in the office and they're like, oh, you should take this. You should take this. Why would I want to do that? That would harm my central nervous system. Why would I want to do that? That would do this. Why would I, you know, and they're like, well, how do you know? And, and I'm like, well, just go to PubMed and read it. Oh, that's right. You don't read PubMed <laughs> because you are still relying on your medical school from the 1970s. Get out. Like yeah. I have no respect. I have no respect for those people at all. If they don't know what PubMed is, if they don't read it on a regular basis, oh, but we need to take our continuing education credits, guys. Yeah, those CEUs are really useful. Sponsored by Pfizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, at least you, uh, at least you didn't get misdiagnosed and disallowed from driving because you got dehydrated and your doctors are incapable of uh, diagnosing dehydration. And at least you didn't lose your liver to an infection. Yeah. <laughs> 
Good point. Touche. Yeah, which doctors want to help. Thank you, Oil of Oregano. Thank you, Oil of Oregano, uh-huh. very much. So what's next? All right. Um, actually, I didn't ask some more questions. I didn't realize, but he didn't ask. Well, we're gonna ago, we're, so. we're we're gonna save those questions for next time, uh, and then uh, the, the platinum questions. Yeah, because I want to get that super chat, and then uh, okay, yeah. All right. Well, let's get let's get through some more Patreon Q and A's then. Okay. Um, why is it that the ESFJs are sometimes not receptive to or enthusiastic about other people's ideologies, theories, or even passions? Why is it they act like every philosophy slash idea is just common sense? Finally, how does one get them to er- eradicate this pattern? How can I get ESFJ to stop making their own personal preferences on how things should work? Oh, sorry, that's a second. That's another question, I think. All right, so Oops. I'm confused. Please. So why is it that ESFJs are sometimes not receptive to or enthusiastic about other people's ideologies, theories, or even passions? Why is it they act like every philosophy idea is just common sense? Finally, how does one get them to eradicate this pattern? Because of introverted sensing. And uh, introverted sensing is like, well, it just should be this way. And if it's that high, it's like, it just needs to be that way. And that's just that's just the way of things. That's common sense. And then like I have to remind the ESFJ that common sense is nothing more than common ignorance. Because you know tradition is the corpse of wisdom. See, wisdom right. created these traditions, but they're just corpses. They're not, and eventually those traditions have to go. But they're so traditionalistic, they're holding on to traditions that don't mean anything anymore. This is why I have nothing to do with church tradition or church dogma or anything related to church, because church basically is losing its value after every passing week. For And why else are so many pastors, like especially in evangelical churches, quitting at, at all-time highs? And, you know, and as people and as much as people like get really concerned from that religious standpoint, it's because of these religious uh, traditions don't apply to uh, half the millennials and basically all the Gen Zers and all the 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 uh, the generations after that. And then they think that there's something wrong. Well, that's because of the fourth turning, like literally read the book, The Fourth Turning. It talks about generational archetypes. And it's because the hero archetype, the millennials, will have nothing to do with any of the ideologies of the nomad archetype, which is Generation X, quite frankly. And so more than half the millennials are just rejecting that. And then they're teaching that to their children so that there's a, a further rejection, right? So that rejection just continues, 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 which is why, you know, we can make the argument that, um, um, you know, like uh, they say that the age of Pisces represents, you know, like church. And then the age of Aquarius is like the non-church age. Well, yeah, that's pretty obvious because there's a spiritual renaissance going on right now that people aren't even realize. I'm just using spirituality as an example because there's a lot of traditions attached to spirituality. Why, why is this relevant? SE critic. Extroverted sensing critic is so critical towards reality that they believe that they can just tell people this is how it should be, get over yourselves, because it's the wise decision. When reality is, tradition is the corpse of wisdom. And they are assuming, they are assuming, SFJs do these things where they assume that their common sense outlook about how things should be is how it should be for everyone. And it is very arrogant of them to do this. But it's one of their biggest flaws. So, and everyone has really big flaws because every type is flawed. But that's literally what happens, right? So, just uh, be aware of that. Um, what's what's next? Um, do you want to just get the super chat question out? Yeah, let's we'll get go out. Back to the yeah, let's do that. All right. What is the best way for an XTP to decide what to do with their lives? Current major was decided mainly to survive and avoid retail jobs. 
So any TP, how to survive in their daily lives? Is that the question? Yeah. A thinking perceiver to decide what to do with their lives because he only picked his major to avoid retail. I can't... Wow, that sounds like some STP. Uh, yeah, I can't answer that question because it, it, between NTPs and STPs are way too different to actually accurately answer that question. So I'm going to have to... S uh, well, I... <laughs> Oh, fine. I'll just answer the question for all of it. Um, based on that behavior, I'm going to have to assume STP. So avoiding retail. Okay, there's nothing wrong with avoiding retail. But unless something speaks to you, it doesn't matter what you study. You're not going to be able to get anything done anyway. And then you're, you're and if you're if you're an ISTP, you're just going to be melancholic the entire time. You're not going to have any joy in your life. So go find out what makes you joyful, right? Or if you're an ESTP and you're just not sure you what you want to do, how about you focus on making people better, increasing the strength of fellow human beings, right? That's what you should be doing. Um, use that INFJ subconscious if you're an ESTP. Develop other human beings, create a wolf pack of, of men, and make them stronger. Or if you're an ISTP, uh, teach other human beings to be better and make your career based around teaching, not teaching like in a school, run a metal shop and teach people metal shop or wood shop or something like that, right? Or, or, or car mechanics, something to that effect. Go in that direction. Learn these things so you can confer that knowledge upon other people. Develop magician archetype when you're raising up other men into the mature masculine, helping them develop king and warrior, etc. That's what the magician archetype actually does, right? So based on that, um, you know, like, but from an NTP standpoint, it's completely different. NTPs, you know, they're just trying to survive because they're so rare that they don't have the opportunity to actually, you know, deal with the crap, you know, this, this horrible first world society uh, and how this first world society wants them to behave as well as medicate them when this first world society labels them with like Asperger's or autism or whatever, for example. And then TPs, ha uh, STPs have a lot easier because they're very concrete and they get a free pass by society when compared to NTPs who do not get a free pass, right? It's often, it's funny, it's very often where the STPs are accusing the NTPs of being weaklings anyway, because STPs are like strength detectors and then they're, they're built to actually help other human be beings become strong. But oftentimes it's the STPs bullying the NTPs consistently until the NTPs eventually become this uh, stoic knight of strength and they can definitely take them out uh, after a while because they'll learn how to defend themselves from the SDP bullish attacks, right? So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting how that, how that changes. And, you know, STPs uh, explore their intuition later in life, whereas NTPs explore the concrete later in life, right? That's why I'm literally starting Kung Fu in two weeks, and I'm going to be studying it very seriously. I'm going to take it very seriously. I also promised my son I'd teach him Kung Fu, uh, so, and he's already, a, a, you know, becoming an accomplished martial artist as a seven-year-old, but the point is, uh, this is, you know, that's one of the directions and I'm exploring that later in life, whereas an STP would be more likely to, to uh, explore that earlier in life, right? It, it's different. So I can't exactly say categorically, okay, you know, TPs in general should do it this way or whatnot, but really it just comes down to what makes you happy. The problem is if you're an STP, you just don't know what makes you happy. Well, you're very sensual, so go sense everything, you know? Uh, 
Not that I agree with how sensual they are because I don't like how sensual STPs can get because it can often destroy people's lives, including their own, because of how sensual they are through drugs and casual sex, for example, because they're more likely to have drugs and casual sex uh, than, than all the other types, and that can be a problem, right? The NFJ STP quadra specifically uh, can have a real issue there uh, because of how sensual they are with the STPs being the most sensual of them all. So just, just something to, 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 to be aware of, you know, as, as, as a complication, right? Uh, but yeah, otherwise find something that really gives other people a good experience, engages your creativity as an STP, uh, and that will be something to get there. I get not wanting to be in retail. I worked in retail. Um, I was in like a grocery store for a while and that sucked and then homelessness and whatnot after the fact, but still like it's, it's not, it's, it, you know, you learn, you learn good skills wherever you are, as long as you're not failing, you know, and if you're stuck somewhere, that's really your choice. It's not society's choice. So just work on improving yourself. Find something interesting because whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might, right? That is what you have to do. And I never, I never imagined that me studying the science would actually like create a business, right? I studied it to save my marriage, right? But my hands found something to do and I'm doing it with all my might, right? So that's, that's, that's where it is. I find that one thing as Owen Cook would say, and you hammer it, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm hammering it. So what's next? Um, the next question is, how can I get an ESFJ to stop making their own personal pre uh, preferences on how things should work for fast, for hard and fast rules that make you a bad person for not knowing such following? Repeat that. So how can I get an ESFJ to stop making, sorry, to stop mistaking their own personal preferences on how things should work for hard and fast rules that make you a bad person for not knowing such following. You can't. You can't change them. You can't. The only thing you can do to ESFJs that do that to you is abandon them. That's it. Or you threaten them with abandonment in such a way where it's like, if you're going to continue to think this way and not have an open mind, then I'm not going to want to be around. That'll hit any child right in the face. When you tell any child, I don't want to be around. I don't want you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. It's the fastest way to get any child to like listen to you. And then call them to the question their thinking. Show them statistics and reference points that completely blows their thinking out of the water. And then if they're like, well, T.E. Demon, well, it's not my fault your generation hasn't been raised properly. And it's like, yeah, raised by your generation. You know, the parents who should have been responsible. Good job. You see what I'm saying? Like it's – so at that point, you're, you may as, you're, you're literally arguing with a tree at that point. Welcome to SI, SI Parent, SE Critic. You're, you're literally arguing with a tree. So at that point, you just bow out. Because that's the only way that they're going to hit rock bottom with their thinking is if no one's around them. If they've just literally alienated everyone with their archaic thinking, they deserve to be alone. Let them be alone in the ditch so that when they're at rock bottom, they might actually change and might actually seek change, right? Well, maybe they're not because they're like SFJ stoic, right? Who knows? But that's not on you. So just be aware of that. Like, you can't get them to change. You just can't. They need to believe it's their they need to think it is their duty to change and until it becomes their duty or their obligation to change until they have social proof that their thinking is actually harming fellow human beings 
They ain't doing anything. And they're just going to continue to judge you forever. So how about you get away from the judgment? That's my point. You there, Jeb? Yeah. Um, next question? Yep. Uh, what makes INTPs like you? What makes INTPs like you? Uh, show them a good time, give them a good experience, ask them what they think, tell them that you want them, and uh, uh, tell them that uh, you feel good when you're around them, and they make you feel like a, a valuable person. Done. Next. Easy. How can one gain control of their life if they are triple movement? Does this have a lot to do with developing the subconscious in order to become more consistent and disciplined? That's a great question. Uh, so triple movement types, so those are uh, ENFPs and INTJs. And when I say triple movement, a lot of people think that I'm I'm thinking about the superfluous ego at the same time. You know, the superego as this like, oh, hey, you know, that that's like movement or control too. I don't really pay as much attention to that. I'm only talking about the ego, the uh, subconscious and the unconscious. And if all three of those are movement, that's known as a triple movement type. I'm just kind of ignoring the superego entirely because it's a very, very background, you know. Uh, kind of like the um, similarly archetypically the like the background interaction style, but uh, beyond that, it's it's a lot it's a lot different. So, what do you? Um, wow, I lost my train of thought. That's terrible. Um, oh, I'm getting used to having like a lot of input these days. Uh, so, all right, Jab. Give me, give me like the last five words of that question one more time. Maybe I can rejog my stream of consciousness there. Jab. I think we lost Jab. All right. Let's see if I can, oh. Okay, apparently I just disappeared. That's odd. Can you hear me, Jab? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. What happened? Uh, apparently the bot pulled me out of the channel. That was odd. So Rude. Yeah, very rude. Uh, not cool. Okay. Uh, can you ask that question one more time? Just because that was interrupted me. Okay, so how can one gain control of their life if they're triple movement? Okay, yeah, triple movement. Does this so, have to do with... So, so triple movement uh, types, it's not necessarily about getting control. They just need to be organized and just become like this uh, efficiency of movement thing, uh, organized chaos, whatnot. But here's the other thing. If they really, really need self-discipline in their lives, they just have to be around other SI users. If they have other SI users around them, they're going to absorb the self-discipline from the other SI users, and then they're going to use that discipline within themselves, and then they will actually start behaving disciplined. Because expert sensing uh, will uh, will absorb that. Or differently speaking, you have ENFPs who are uh, triple movement and they're with NFJs and those NFJs actually confer upon them discipline and make them more disciplined, right? So it's like a difference between sending and receiving depending if you're an idealist or if you're an, or a, or a, an intellectual, right? Depending on your temperament, the temperaments are different as a result, right? So, uh, so just be aware of that. Uh, be chaotic. It's okay. 
The thing is, though, is you have to make sure that you have some idea of what the outcome is going to be. Luckily, INTJs have that advantage because they have NI Hero and they can use their NI Hero to produce the outcomes that they want to get where they're going. ENFPs don't necessarily have that problem and they have to utilize self-discipline instead. But they also have a lot, they, ha they can use that self-discipline as an advantage to gain more control over that triple movement state. So it just really depends, right? Bottom line is develop your inferior function and develop your parent function and you'll be successful regardless of whatever, if you're triple movement or triple control or not, because that's the best way to solve that issue. It's, it's a multi-pronged, multi-causal issue that can be solved that way, so. Okay, um, next question. I recently watched your video on the mature feminine lover archetype, and I realized for the past eight years of my life, I have become an impotent lover. I am also an INFP. Any tips on how to start turning my life around and go from the impotent lover to a mature lover? Uh, to become a mature lover, you need to basically not take your pain for granted and look at your pain and all of the suffering in your life and realize that your suffering is making you better. Uh, I think the Apostle Paul, who I am not actually a fan of, by the way, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul said uh, in the Bible about how, uh, you know, my weaknesses are, my, are actually been turned into strength, and that's why I boast about my weaknesses. It's the same concept, right? That's what the impotent lover is all about, uh, philosophically speaking. You want to make sure that you are okay with being messed up. You have to be okay with having baggage. It's not about avoiding uh, avoiding your baggage per se. You have to accept your baggage basically. And you're like, hey, I got baggage, but this is what I have done to get through those situations. This is what I've done to get through that, that dysfunctionality, right? And uh, that's, that's absolutely necessary to do. And uh, so, you know, when, when you realize, okay, hey, I got all this baggage, you know, it, it makes you feel tainted, right? It makes you feel like, you know, you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough as a result of that. And then you actually start making decisions based on that, that presupposition, based on that hidden subconscious uh, assumption that, uh, that you are, that you're tainted or you're not good enough, et cetera, or not worthy enough, right? And then because of that, you actually allow more and a healthy people in your life as a result. And that's another aspect of the impotent lover. You can't do that, right? So instead, what you have to do is four pillars of self-intimacy. Identify your needs. Take responsibility for meeting your needs, right? Have personal standards, right? And then you have personal boundaries to make sure other human beings do not inhibit you from meeting your own needs, right? Enforcing boundaries. If you have baggage, fine. Everyone has baggage of some kind. That's just how it works but you still have the responsibility to meet your own needs. You still have the responsibility to have personal standards to force you to meet your needs properly. You still have to have boundaries to make sure other human beings are not inhibiting you from meeting your needs, right? And then you, at the end of it all, you still have to have you know, your personal goals, right? And then once you have those things, you're not the impotent lover anymore. You become the mature lover because you have self-respect and you realize that your pain your misery basically has become that thing that is actually helping other people and deal with similar issues or the same issues instead of, you know, like that thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, instead of that something that's like completely defeating, right? So that's how I'd answer that question, Jab. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to the platinum questions. All right. Uh, ask the platinum questions that weren't done, and then we'll go through some more Discord questions. Awesome. 
What is a good argument to get a Christian INFJ to believe in type instead of comparing it to astrology or palm read? And doesn't like the generalization doesn't like the generalizations made by psychology, though also says that different character types are more compatible with each other. He has watched your INFJ video and there's no full stop there, but they should be. Are certain types more likely to be right or left leaning politically? Do you think Hollywood has a type chart and goes through it when making a film, or do you think they are more intuitive about it? Okay. Is that like three questions in one? Yeah. Okay. So a Christian INFJ, uh, who's oh, that like like EJ R and D, that guy who claimed he was an ESTP but he was actually an INFJ the entire time, and then all of a sudden like destroyed his YouTube channel because he like tr turned into Christianity. You know, like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Rest in peace, Jay. Rest in peace. May you come back to us one day. And like, like seriously, like, how can you assume that this is like an evil thing as a result of like converting to Christianity? I, I don't understand. But that's not what I think it is. I think the point is that it they consider it more of a pseudo so this INFJ considers it, considers it more of a pseudoscience and compares it to astrology or palm reading all right well um, then then ask the INFJ why they feel worthless all the time <laughs> why are you feeling useless right now call them out and then they're like well how do you know that it's the science man it's not my fault you walk around feeling useless and worthless every day of your life it's not my fault that's your fault but why? <laughs> right? That's what I'd do. Go after the FI critic and punch it in the face. That'll get them thinking real quick. Next. Right. Um, Chase, do you consider yourself spiritual? Oh, sorry, not that question. I did that in the wrong order. Um, are certain types more likely to be right or left-leaning politically? Uh, okay, so politically speaking, uh, libertarians are pragmatics. Uh uh, authoritarians are affiliatives. Uh, Left-leaning is uh, more uh, sensing, and right-leaning is more intuitive to a point. Well, or no, that's backwards. Uh, left is more intuitive, and right is more uh, sensing, basically. So that's just the whole grid right then and there. Um, so, okay. And... Uh, okay. Do you think Hollywood has a type chart and goes through it when making a film, or do you think they're a bit more intuitive about it? Do you think Hollywood has a... I'm sure, yeah, the Hollywood writers have, like, their whole group, and I'm sure they have been studying this a lot longer than I have and utilize archetypes and tropes all the time with their writing, of course. Okay. Um, Chase, do you consider yourself spiritual or seek spirituality? What about you, Jab? Uh, yes, I do consider myself spiritual, but I'm not comfortable talking about my spirituality uh, uh, in a way than more than I already have at this time. Right. Um, shit, if you're not answering it, um, I'm going to cop out the exact same way. Fair enough. Never not cop out. Cool. <laughs> and any super chats? Uh, is your coin slot operating tonight or are we getting the Discord questions now? All right, we're going to the Discord questions now, and awesome. if anyone wants to do some super chats, we are ready, willing, and able. Um, let's. 
live stream question. Go to the pin. Okay. Hey, who pinned that? All right, well, I'll just start from here anyway. So from my experience, I've noticed that NT types need to pose a little superiority complex to fully utilize their types attribute. ENTJs and INTJs need to feel that they are the best problem solvers and leaders. ENTPs and INTPs need to feel like they know more than others, etc., etc. Have they not met ISTPs? I Quite frankly, one of the most any... arrogant of all the types. I like. I, I completely disagree with the question's premise. <laughs> I've experienced many NT types who struggle with their ego because we don't fit in or are rejected because of how abstract and harsh we can be. I've also noticed that growing up, if we feel like an outcast, we use our systematic thinking to figure out ways to adjust to society, which can often cause NT types to be stuck in their shadow or their subconscious. Is this observation accurate, or does this happen with all types? Why? Also, if it is accurate, should we encourage NT-types to have a bit of a superiority complex? I'm just not going to answer that question because I completely disagree with the premise, and I don't really want to... I don't even want to dignify right. that question with a response. Next. Um. Hi. Is it general for INFPs to feel like naives and not understanding the indirect meanings of some words... In simple conversations like what they said versus what they mean meant. Yes, exactly. Or that be like forgetful. Or be like forgetful, like I was waiting for a lecturer out with my friends and we were gone talking the teacher, went in, and others I didn't see him and time passed they reminded me I had to go in. Many stuff's like this, is it INTPs or just me? Uh it's an SE trickster thing because if if you have um, you're constantly looking at what people mean versus um, versus what people are actually saying. I've had my words twisted more by INFPs than like any other type. Quite frankly, they just twist and twist and twist, and they can't help twisting it because everything is going through their their filter basically, uh, and they can't help but to twist what you're saying. And it's almost how they feel about it or what they believe what you said is almost not actually what you said or or even remotely close to the truth. It's only until they've had right. their SI child has had more experience over time and conversing with people that they actually end up getting closer to the truth, basically. Okay. A lot of NFJs and STJs in public service and politics. So are uh, STJs and NFJs in politics and public service? Yes, of course they are, consistently, because they're affiliative. Right, STJs. STJs are the cliche police officers. And lawyers. The judges. Mm -hmm. Okay. What understanding of mental illness is there, or what can we do to integrate it with this psychology? My experience is as yeah. a bipolar. I am not a psychiatrist. I do not. I am not going to comment on uh, mental disorders. Uh, so, psychology is not psychiatry. I, I will not answer psychiatry related questions. Not until I've studied right. the field more. Right. Okay. So you want to skip this question? Yep. ISFJ aspiring with her any has been able to predict the predict and influence the behavior of an INTJ acquaintance with an accuracy that she finds uncomfortably extreme. She feels almost bad about having this newfound power to affect the INTJ, even though she is only interacting with him 
the way she would naturally, minus significantly her usual insecure any attitude. Is this the over? Is this overwhelming? And somehow uncomfortable feeling of mastery typical when one aspires with one's inferior function. Yeah, it can. It's 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 known as the fear of failure. Basically, people are uh, are fear fear of success. Excuse me. People have fear of failure, but they also have fear of success, and that's what's well, yeah. that's what's happening there. Perfect. Um, what do you think about hypnosis? People who think they can pull it off, and people who believe in it. Uh, hypnosis is a real thing, uh, and it's mostly uh, uh, it's easier to go with um, SI users. It just depends who the hypnotist is, or they, if they're an SE user or an SI user, uh, and then they have to have different techniques and ways to actually uh, integrate with the people's uh, perception functions uh, to get them to uh, become hypnotized, etc. Uh, it is a real thing, um, but uh, I think there could be a lot more study uh, knowing the archetypes and the cognitive functions uh, in that area to expand um, to expand those techniques. I just don't know enough about it to really comment. Okay. Um, do all ENTJs care about money? If not, then what is the ENTJ avarice really seeking? Uh, they're seeking catharsis. They're seeking emotional catharsis through creating the ultimate art that will last forever and ever and ever. Uh, money is just a means to an end to them, quite frankly, and they're just and it's not their fault that they're more responsible with money than all any of the other types, uh, because they're very rational in that regard, and uh, based on that, they're able to you know make things change. But oftentimes, they get accused of being greedy because they are really good with um, with good good with money in that regard. But uh, there's not much they can do about that. Sometimes they actually are greedy. But, uh, but the thing is, is that every ENTJ in my life has, that I've had close relationships with, ultimately were very, very generous with like maybe one or two that weren't. So I just, I just try to keep an eye on them as, uh, as things go. And if I sense the greed coming, then I call them out. So. Okay. Um, how, how can ISTPs become the life of a party? Is it going into ENFJ subconscious? Also, how can an ISTP learn theory in university? How can an ISTP say again? So how can an ISTP become life of the party? Is it going into ENFJ subconscious? INFJ life of the party. Uh, no, they're going into ESTP subconscious. Not, yeah. They can, and like like for example, I I went to a party one time and the and the INFJ decided that to elect themselves like the bartender of the party basically and they were like oh I'm a mixologist what? blah 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 so oh so ISTP becoming life of the party doesn't have an ENFJ oh okay I thought you were talking about an INFJ uh, ISTP becoming life of the party uh yeah it's mostly just being a show off uh through uh, ENFJ subconscious and then teaching people some new skill that they that they're showing off or this new uh, thing that they built that they're showing off that's literally how they do it otherwise they're not so much there hey look at my dance skills oh hey you want me to teach you how to dance properly right here right now i could teach you you know is that that's kind of their their approach right right also how can istps learn theory in university uh i mean you just listen to the theorist it happens all the time. I mean, university is theory. Technically, it's not necessarily practical application. Uh, I mean, you get practical application in labs, but for the most part, 
you know that you're not like it's, it's still theory university is all theory you're learning theory and not learning actual hands-on experience and whatnot that's why if i have the choice to hire somebody who has a degree versus someone who has no degree but the person without degree has hands-on experience i'm going to hire that guy who has hands-on experience every time because the degree is nothing more than a checkbox that is overpriced on an application so and i think my fellow millennials would uh, kind of agree with me on that point right okay um how does FI Trickster manifest in intimate romantic relationships for ENTPs? How do ENTPs feel love in relationships? By being valued by uh, an external source, by valued by another person, uh, by gaining mm -hmm. sympathy as a result of the other person, someone being sympathetic towards them and their cause and their pain, uh, basically. Uh, and then the uh, ENTP returns it with empathy by just knowing how that person feels and seeking to care them, uh, care for them in such a way where they're giving to them and uh, uh, making them feel loved, making them feel respected, uh, making them feel better, thinking highly of them as if that person is gaining status as a result of being in a relationship with that person because they just feel really good about them uh, and whatnot. And, and then the ENTP is able to get uh, validation and sympathy uh, from that person as well. Uh, that's uh, yeah. That's basically how I how I'd say it. Okay. Um, if an SC demon takes self defense class like Krav Maga, does that put them in their demon mode, and should it be avoided altogether, or no. is it useless because we won't ever get into SC demon mode anyway if we get into a fight? Most most martial arts are actually very introverted sensing because it requires self discipline to master them. And although SE users can, uh, not all SE users are actually able to do it. And the SE users that really, really struggle the most with martial arts, um, who, who may or may not, like, like, like SI tricksters, I've, I know some ENTJs that are pretty good at martial arts, but they've been doing it for such a long, long time. And they're surrounded by SI users consistently. But learning it by themselves, not something they could do. An SI user could. But, uh, but could an SE user learn it by themselves? No, they need to be around other SI users to borrow their, those people's self-discipline and make it their own so that they can actually learn the art themselves, right? So that's just kind of how that information flows, you know, when you're learning martial arts. Right. Okay. So someone called Stacy... Oh, sorry, I didn't finish. That also had a part two. Also, any advice on how an ENFP can prevent burnout and going nuts because of stress at work? Um, basically self-discipline uh, and if you don't like where you're stressing out at work move on to something else uh, read Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It if you haven't read Crush It or Crushing It you're doing it wrong as an ENFP uh, learn from other ENFPs Gary Vaynerchuk's an ENFP and do what he says that's how I would solve <laughs> that problem okay um, next question Daisy K asks, INTP here. I was forced to develop my FE function growing up with an ENFJ mother. In thinking about the masculine feminine, I realize that I relate to my INTP true self to the masculine part of me and my ESFJ subconscious to the feminine part of me. Is this normal or to be expected? I'm a heterosexual woman, by the way, wondering how to feel feminine as an INTP woman without slipping into potentially unhealthy for me ESFJ thinking behavior, thinking or behavior. 
FWYW, I associate my ENTJ unconscious with masculinity as well. Have I just been culturally conditioned to attribute TETI to masculine and FEFI to feminine? I'm 50 years old, by the way, and I've grown immensely through engaging with your content. Yes, uh, it is. It is cultural conditioning. That's human nurture conditioning. So the answer to that question is yes. Right. So the answer is TETI is just con uh, cultural conditioning to be masculine, FEFI to be De depending depending on the situation. Um, uh, because it depends on how much FE you have. It depends on how much FI you have. It, it really depends. I can't just categorically say that this function has this, this gender to it. So it's okay. Well, which kind of function is it? Like there's so much information there for me to actually do it. And the more you actually zoom out and see the whole picture first, before you zoom in, uh, you can, you can actually see the feeling of the different archetypes and the different flows that are like, and the sub archetypes as a result. But as soon as you actually like really, really, really zoom in, you can't really see it anymore. It's kind of like, when you're looking in the dark with your eyes, you can see an object better when you're not looking right at it. But when you look at the object directly with your eye, you can't see it as much. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Perfect. This lady's so smart, she answered her own question. Nice. Um, all right, next question. Would you say that mastery of one's inferior function facilitates in bringing about positive social engineering outcomes? Of course If it the does. inferior... If the inferior is not present, especially for INTPs like me, people may become non-receptive. If this is the case, how do you attempt to re to establish middle ground where you mitigate your own shortcomings, speak to your virtue, and simultaneously address overcome the other person's function? Camaraderie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like literally. Uh, do you want to add to that anymore, or are you just gonna? Not really. That yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes, and like it's very simple. So. Okay. Um, how does having something translated by something live? Ah, uh, somebody live affect typing. Does interaction style get lost in translation? Um, right. do you want me to answer that? Yeah, go for it. How many translations of the Bible are there? And how many different interpretations can you get from the Bible such that they all mean different things? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the questions are like I mean, way uh, too long. I agree. <laughs> I'm just going to end with that, yep. with that statement. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's good enough. It Next will. question. Um, I listened to a conversation between an INTP and an ISTP where they talked about how they'd each reached the conclusion that free will doesn't exist and how neither wanted to tell others because they were afraid that people would feel bad about this idea. To what extent do you think people can and or, sorry, people have and or can further develop free will? I'm particularly curious about SI dominant types. Jabba, please chime in as well. So Chase, tell me about free will. Does free will exist? That that is the that is the question. Uh, yeah, of course it does. Of course, free will exists. Uh, like, who was it, Voltaire, that said, uh, um, you know, freedom is a choice. That's it's that simple. So free will right. does exist. You just have to make the choice. Oh, but there's consequences to my decision. That doesn't mean it's not a free choice. Right. It's, it's that simple. It's just basic logic. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with you because it's like, 
just because there's consequences for your actions doesn't mean that you don't have free choice because there's actually consequences and benefits for every action you decide to make. And just because you might feel compelled to do what's best for you, that doesn't mean you don't have free choice. There's also and in fact, Yeah. And in fact, the, the fact that you might pick a choice that isn't the best thing for you is evidence of free choice. Yep. It's just like absolute truth. You know, if absolute truth, if you claim, if you make a claim that absolute truth does not exist, you literally just uh, proved yourself wrong, <laughs> because if right. that would have to be a true statement itself, and because it itself is a true statement, it automatically negates the whole premise to begin with. Ergo, absolute truth does exist, logically speaking. So, next question. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, hello, CS. INFP here. Thanks for your work and leaving so much wisdom here. I seldom give people advice unless I see people walking to death or doing things in vain over and over again. But then people hate me that what I said is too painful or too negative to hear. But truth really hurts and reality has no mercy. Kind of sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't care, I could have just shut up. So every time I get complaint or hate like this, I just shut up forever. Yeah. Like, why should I even bother? But it's so painful. From your point of view, what's your stand on this kind of situation? Oh, you have experiences personally with your channel. Yeah. Or so... advice for me. P.S. Thanks. 300% sure that I am not NFJ or STP. Yeah. So, so let's, let's... Tell me about your personal experience. Okay. So... After this question job, let's do some YouTube questions. Uh, yep. So, when faced with the decision, if you're damned if you do, and damned if you don't, you may as well do. And that's it. Because at least you can say that you put in action, you put something out there in the universe. That's better than doing nothing. Because remember, not to speak is to speak. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So mm -hmm. that's how I'd answer that. All right, let's do some YouTube questions. Let's see what we can get here. You can answer some of our questions on YouTube as well. Um, how come your ESTP mentor thinks he is an ISTP? He just does. He assumes that he's an introvert because he's got a very well-developed INFJ subconscious. And because of that, he thinks he's introverted and he spends a lot of time. It doesn't go out all the time. But every time we end up going out, he's just extroverting like mad. He's initiating with people. He's not really responding at all. So he's direct initiating control. So that's his interaction style. He is not direct responding movement. He's not movement at all. He's always focused on outcomes uh, and... Uh, you know, that's just that's just who he is. So he's actually an ESTP, even though he's an ISTP. And still to this day, he thinks he's an ISTP. As much as I try to argue with him, the contrary. So. Chase and Jab, what types do you butt heads with the most? Uh, NFPs. Yeah, <laughs> NFPs and SFJs, definitely. Probably the most for me are those. Yeah. 
Uh, INTJ here, usually INTPs hide from social media and online interactions, right? Not necessarily true. I don't have a Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not necessarily true. Um, maybe immature or underdeveloped or man-child INTPs would, but I'm sure uh, more mature INTPs would engage in social media because they would find it's useful. Excuse me? Wow. What? Did you just call me immature? I don't have Facebook. I literally just said that. And you're like, no. immature INTPs. You're not an INTP, are you? Right, but like, oh, I kind right. of felt like it was a generalization. No, I'm not including you in that generalization, Jab. I promise. Hi, Cody. Why does my ENTJ brother hate typology so much? He gets angry whenever I talk to him about it. Why does my ENTJ brother hate typology so much he gets angry whenever I talk to him about it? Because he doesn't want to be put into a box. That's it. Because mm -hmm. it feels like it would restrict his freedoms and NI parent is like, nah, nah, nah. nah. Right? Yep. Uh, what do you consider social media? What do I consider social media? I mean, Discord is technically social media any kind of media or application that you can utilize that helps make you more social than you were previously. Um, let's see. INTPs aren't immature. Because... How can ENJ types stop SE child from distracting them with... Sorry. How can ENJ types stop SE child from distracting them from work? Uh, by surrounding themselves with people that would think less of them if they're not productive. Um, did I miss anything? Any examples in fiction of an INTJ stuck in a superego? That's a good one. Say again? Any examples in fiction of an INTJ stuck in a superego? Any examples in fiction of an INTJ stuck in their ISFJ superego? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Professor Moriarty, Sherlock Holmes. It's probably a good chance of that. Uh, Batman. Uh, Batman. Interesting. I I don't know. I'd have to. There's so many different ways to write Batman oh. and portray Batman. There's like no actual standard. Bat Batman, if he was like a pure vigilante and he just beat the crap out of the Joker every time he broke the law. That would be an ISFJ superego. Yeah. What can one Sorry. use a coaching session for? Coaching sessions. Anything. Yeah, it's literally anything you want. I asked I asked the people yeah. that I'm coaching, hey, what do you want to talk about? And they just and like, what are your goals? What are you trying to get out of this? They tell me, and then we just do it. Uh, I coach couples all the time. I mean, I, you know, I do parenting, I do education, I do careers, I do professionalism, uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, it doesn't matter because this science applies to absolutely every human interaction in life, and that's kind of the scope of the coaching sessions uh, that we that we do. Uh, yeah, and also, I mean, I'm pretty sure even if you said to Chase, hey, can I have a one-hour private session of you teaching me this stuff, like, I'm sure he'd be okay with, like, trying to give you, trying to teach you. 
Um, yeah, life coach, stuff like that. Any other questions we got? We can go to Asian Washneys and Platinum again. Sure, why not? Uh, Platinum Q&A. Uh, I wasn't seeking to... I just thought you were. If you had a company of 16 people, one of each type, each in their particular role in a hierarchy, do you think you would be able to accomplish a lot? Yeah. So absolutely. what he's saying is if you had a team of 16 people of each type, do you think that would be like the most optimal group of 16 people? Well, Not necessarily because you have to consider gender as well uh, and human nurture. But it's nice to have uh, plenty of available cognition for decision making and for execution and visioning and all of that. Uh, but then how do you decide the hierarchy of who's in charge of who, right? So that, that's right. also difficult. So it's not exactly an optimal situation. There's too many variables to determine the optimal. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so I guess that kind of invalidates the following questions. Yep. Um, <clears throat> okay, I think this is my last question. Is Mark Zuckerberg an INTJ? I have no idea. We'd probably have to do an episode on him to find out. <laughs> I can't wait. Like The only footage of him is basically going to be him at Congress. Right. maybe uh yeah let's go back to discord questions <clears throat> back to discord questions Ugh. all right unless you guys have super just... chats and want to uh interrupt us then we will definitely interrupt otherwise we'll continue with the discord questions uh questions is joseph let me just see where i pinned this oh god i didn't pin us uh Okay. In your compatibility videos, you mentioned types such as INTJ and ESFP can learn from each other, but at a distance. Provided that both these types are well-developed and cognitive, cognitively transitioned into their subconscious, is it possible for the two to have a strictly shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder relationship? If not, does that mean someone would have to emulate the compatible type in their ego to either their ego or subconscious? <clears throat> yeah. There need to be some kind of emulation there, for sure. And it's not healthy. Those kinds of relationships, don't recommend it. Duality is a lie. Like, seriously. That's like one fake of my news. company hashtags. Duality is a lie. Duality is, a, is fake news. Duality is... It's, <laughs> it's, it's wrong. It's not even true. Socionics is incorrect Listen, about guys. duality. Sorry. Duality is fake news. It was made by CNN and the Democrats. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! All right, we got ten dollars from Peter Wiggett. Ten dollars. Ten dollars for Jabs Wallaby Internet. I, I expect yeah. you to send that in my with my paycheck. Wow! Nice, nice <laughs> Jabs Wallaby Internet. Nice. Then you'll actually have some upload for once. Great. All right. Were they were they installing uh, uh, fiber yet? Uh yeah, hopefully. Um. Okay, so ESFJs are known for not wanting the most rational things. If ESFJs wanting things is bad, then what's the best way to prevent ESFJs from wanting things? Tell them what you want instead. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the Hi, answer. Hi, you guys are awesome. Aw, thanks, Jessica. How can an INTP disengage her apathy towards an individual once it's been turned on? My TI has determined the apathy is more than justified, but the individual appears to find it offensive and pro- provocative due to circumstances i need to maintain a cordial relationship thanks 
uh, actually listen to them, even if you disagree with them, even if you don't, if you don't think what they're saying has any value whatsoever, you just have to pretend and use your self-discipline to just endure them until circumstances change and do it cordially and respectfully. Okay. I'm going to ask the next question, but can you like give a bit of an extended answer? I need to BRB real quick. Um, what are the career options for an ENTP? Bevy. Holy smokes. Career options for an ENTP. Uh, um, uh, public relations, marketing, uh, manipulation, uh, social engineering, IT engineering, civil engineering, any kind of engineering, basically. Uh, the press, uh, anything that has to do with uh, journalism, blogging, um, anything that has to do with writing, uh, hmm. uh, military, uh, specifically um, a marine recon. Uh, marine recon, huh? Yep, marine recon, because ENTPs are the best scouts. There is no better scout than an ENTP. Espionage, there's no better spy than an ENTP as well. Uh, with the exception of an INTJ. Like they, they're both like tied for first place for spying. Um, um, I think, I think I covered it. If you want, you want some career advice, uh, read everything Ryan Holiday ever wrote. He's an ENTP for sure. Definitely read Ryan Holiday. You know, let's try and blitz through some questions. So let's, uh, let's, uh, go through these. Have you ever released any private lectures and sent them over the email? You mentioned it in the past. You would do so. I'm asking if I maybe missed them or you don't film them yet. Thanks. Uh, they are being released hopefully next month. Uh, we're going to be doing the cognitive transition season uh, through the email list, and you will get that. So we're sending out email campaigns to give you guys discount codes and other cool deals and whatnot, but each of them should have some kind of cool freebie that you'd want to get, like a, um, like a lecture that you can only get through the email, basically. And then, uh, right. you know, if you're, if you're a member of our Patreon, uh, at the, at, at the gold tier, you'll get them by default, but, uh, through email, you know, you, you can open your email. Ooh, there's a lecture in here for me to watch. And then you can watch the lecture through your email, basically. Uh, because those right. will not be publicly available. Uh, and I believe that is happening this February, because February right. marks our one-year anniversary of being here. So, Next question. Gifts that ENTJ men and women like to receive? Gifts that ENTJ men and women like to receive? Uh, bling, uh, definitely. Uh, they also like um, uh, really fast cars and vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really cool gadgets, uh, things that save them time, uh, things that save them money, uh, anything that could help them with their outward appearance, um, spray tan, LOL. Uh, also, <laughs> I had to go there. Beautiful uh, spray tan. Beautiful, yeah. amazing. <laughs> Beautiful, amazing. Yes. Very nice. Uh, hmm. uh, an ENTJ, like a, like a, like a sniper course or, um, an ENTJ, uh, if they need tools and whatnot, get them some tools. Um, ENTJ woman. Um, I don't know. Uh, it just like fine wine if they like wine, for example. It, you just have to really know what they like. Just ask them how they feel about things, right? 
Uh, NJs like shinies. Uh, they like receiving gifts, uh, so give them shinies, uh, although they just have different kinds of shinies that they like. INFJ is more like, okay, yeah, almost anything could be like a shiny that they like or whatever. But ENTJ is a bit more refined. Um, but yeah, it's like anything that really saves them time or helps them with their work or uh, uh, like time savings is a big one. Oh, anything that like a memory tool, memory tools are big. So like buy them a mind map software program to help them mind map things and remember things. It's very, very important to do this for, uh, for ENTJs, etc. So yeah. Okay. Um, next question. If this is somewhat urgent with the holidays coming up, uh oh. Sorry, sorry, champ. I'm an ENTJ man and would gladly offer some insight if you would like to ask an ENTJ channel. Oh, sorry, that's just someone responding to someone. Probably shouldn't put that in the question channel. All right, delete it. Then. Um. Uh. How can I improve my typing accuracy? What is the best way to practice ability to type others? Should I just talk to people and try and determine the type? What if I mistype someone? Thank you. Why don't you type along with us on the live streams? Oh, uh, we got another super chat. Oh, sorry. Peter Wiggett, no dollar. Thank, Thank you. you. Un dollar. Um, Un dollar. I Boy think man. Peter is. Uh, Donating all his money directly to me, so that better go straight to my wallet. All right. Oh, the coin slot is most being likely... fed. Hold on. So he he actually accidentally said he forgot to. What types are most likely to be pickup artists? All right. So the types that are most likely to be pickup artists, like literally all of them. Se dons. Uh, but to be honest, uh, the majority of them, I would say, are idealists, NFs are the most pickup artisty of all of the types, absolutely, with ENFPs and INFJs being the absolute worst of them all, the most likely to do pickup artist uh, stuff. And like Owen Cook, who is an ENFP, says he teaches cold approach pickup. So for his pickup artist approach, that's where that is, cold approach pickup. So uh, just understand uh, that's, just, that's just how it is. Now, SPs can get into pickup artistry very easily as well. SPs are very drawn to it because they're so sensual as SPs. But uh, idealists kind of even more so, uh, definitely. But to be fair, anyone can really be a pickup artist. I'm just stating who would be the, you know, the, the types that would have the highest propensity to do it. Uh, and it's those types for sure. So. Perfect. Um, let's see. What kind of gifts do INFPs like? Uh, hold on, I'm just trying to figure out where we're up to. I just lost where we were. Uh, I'm an INTP and I've abandoned all my opportunities for my career path because I want to move up north and live off the grid. I dropped out of college as a senior and my family is pretty upset about it, especially with my ENTJ grandfather. I'm just so repulsed by the monotony and worthlessness of modern globalist life, consumerism, and obsession with money. Oh, look, I would honestly rather nihilism. be homeless in the forest than to live a life like that. I want to have a family one day, and I just know it would make me happy. But until then, is there a way I can be happy working a typical job? And is there something wrong with me? Uh, go out and volunteer and dutifully help other people and be supportive to other people and support a cause. You need to be supportive mm -hmm. because if you think in that nihilistic uh, point of view, it's just going to lead you to a very uh, dark place. 
You need to have a healthy mindset and your healthy mindset is going to only come as a result of you developing your extroverted feeling inferior and stop having social anxiety. Because as an NTP, I mean, I understand how that works. NTPs just don't like reality. We all will destroy reality. And then we have to like really find that one thing in reality that makes us happy, that one thing. And then it's like, great, I'm gonna destroy reality then, but I'm gonna preserve this one thing, right? But then after a while you realize maybe that you won't destroy reality because that one thing makes it worth enduring reality. You see, that's the point. And that's not gonna happen until you develop your extroverted feelings uh, inferior. You're basically running away. Stop running away. Develop your FE inferior. Stop caring about social anxiety. I get that people have been giving you a lot of crap your whole life, but that's technically also your fault in the long run because you are allowing these people to make those choices because you do not enforce your boundaries. That's a problem. So instead, make sure that you are enforcing your boundaries, doing the four pillars of self-intimacy. If you don't know what that is, season six playlist on my YouTube channel. Watch the entire thing and you'll get all the tools that you need to be able to do that, right? If you wanna have an intimate relationship and have a family with somebody, maybe you should watch season four, how do intimate relationships actually work? It gives you the mechanics of intimate relationships and what your responsibility as potentially a man would have in order to make that happen, right? And then, uh, and then also on the, uh, uh, and then uh, the mature feminine, the mature masculine, and understanding what maturity actually looks like from a neutral standpoint. That's season thirteen, which we recently completed. Get educated, and then develop your social anxiety so it no longer becomes social anxiety; it becomes um, social aspiration. And you're aspiring with your extroverted feeling in such a way where you are being really, really supportive of other people, which will only serve to make you stronger. Because when you develop your inferior function, your hero function is developed as well. You need to get stronger, so be stronger. So that's how that that's how that works. Perfect. Um, is there a way to win the heart of an ESTJ? I watched all your ESTJ videos, by the way. Say again. So this person's asking how to win the heart of an ESTJ and that they've watched all your ESTJ videos. Okay, so how to win the heart of an ESTJ. Uh, you should watch uh, Season 14, Episode 1, which is our first uh, Patreon private lecture where it talks about uh, the golden pair for ESTJ. Uh, you can also look at uh, Season 21, Episode 2, uh, which is how to social engineer ESTJs. Follow the techniques there. Both those lectures will give you the answer to all those questions. Uh, otherwise... Uh... Uh, Tell them that you think highly of them, make them comfortable, tell them exactly what you want, tell them that you want them, demonstrate to them that you want them, and then seek to make them feel good about themselves. And you got them. It's that simple. Uh, just want to point out, if you want to lecture this person, this person has their typeset to ENTP. So I don't know if you want to say anything. Oh, if it's an ENTP trying to get with an ESTJ, how about like you light that on fire and like, you know, <laughs> run in the opposite direction as quickly as you can. I don't recommend that at all. Uh, all right. Do you agree with ESTJ the diagnosis? Probably an ENTJ mistyped, to be honest. <laughs> kind of a psychiatric, not really, but what do you agree with the diagnosis of ADHD? Oh, don't miss the super it? chat, guys. Oh, that's the super chat. Did we miss one? Yeah, did I, I miss so. one? I don't know. There's oh, there it is. Sorry. Aiden Washington. Washington. All right. 
what types of questions do you like to receive and which do you not like? That's I, a good question. Okay. Don't ask me about Enneagram. Don't ask me about Big Five. Don't ask me about, you know, MBTI tests. Uh, I'll talk about Jungian analytical psychology, which is or, or from human nature and also human nurture. So self-actualization as well as, you know, psychology. Don't ask me about psychiatry. I'm not an expert on psychiatry. I just don't know that much about disorders. I really don't. I, I only know enough in terms of the disorders that people have tried to label me with my own personal experience because I've been labeled uh, autistic and having Asperger's multiple times. And uh, to the point where I even like went and got professionally evaluated so I would have from two sources so I would have the paperwork to throw it in their face if they ever said that to me again, basically. Uh, like, I just, no. People just make these assumptions, you know. No! Now, you know, and it's just like, no, let's not do that. Uh, gotta, you gotta protect yourself in that regard. So, all right, fair enough. Which, which types are more likely to interact with physical objects while explaining themselves, grabbing, touching, pointing, drawing? What would that, would that mean they have high SE or low TIT? Or there is absolutely no correlation. All right, say again. So what this person is asking, people who like to physically interact with objects while explaining themselves. So somebody who would like pick up something and then like start pointing to it and explaining it while giving a lecture. No, so, there's, there's no correlation. There's no correlation. I, I mean, I wave my, my markers around on camera all the time and I've seen many SE users do that regularly. Speaking with lasers and everything, that's, that's way too subjective. I'm an ISFP. How do I develop SE parent? I am an ISFP. How do I develop SE parent? Uh, you watch season 16, episode two. Uh, it talks about uh, how to develop the parent. It really comes from maturity, uh, pain of life. You need to stop, you need to ignore your child function and try to do the responsible thing and not necessarily the thing that would make you really happy in that moment in time, basically. And that's how you develop your parent function. Okay. Um, <laughs> not this one, but the one after you're gonna enjoy. Is C.S. Joseph ever going to make a How to Social Engineer INTJs video? I would like to see if that one's possible. Yes, it's three episodes away. Perfect. <laughs> You're going to like this question. Okay. Is the Apostle Paul an ESTJ? Ah! <laughs> You're right. I would like that question. You know what? I've suspected that he might be an ESTJ, but I just don't no, because it's it's just huge debate. Like my mentors try to tell me he was an ENTJ actually, uh, which which would make a lot of sense because of how zealous he was. But I really just don't know for sure. I I really don't know for sure. Uh, he is all a lot about standards and things. But then again, like an ESTJ is probably not going to tell people that a woman can't talk in church because any child would want anyone to have a voice. Whereas SE child is worse saying like authoritatively, authoritatively, no, this is just how it has to be, period, end of story, get over yourself. So it's more likely he's an ENTJ than an ESTJ. Uh, and, uh, but otherwise, again, like I really struggle with the Apostle Paul. Everyone maintains that what the Apostle Paul says is divinely inspired and that it's the uh, infallible holy word of God, which I have to disagree with them on that. At best, the words of Paul are words of wisdom and not actually, you know, like 
biblical canon per se because we just like to really let old men in a room vote on what they think is God's word or not instead of like having something actually divine happen uh, and people are content to uh, put their faith into those old men more so than uh, the uh, actual material and applying critical thinking for some reason. I so, mean, are you talking about the Council of Nicene or something? Yes, the Nicene Council. Yeah. That's exact, and the Council of Trent. Burn those down. And if you people out there are like, <laughs> "Oh, hey, yes, I really do believe in the Nicene Creed, and I really do think those books are the infallible Holy Word of God." Well, did you know that Constantine, you know, who was like the Holy Roman Emperor at the time, literally believed he was the thirteenth apostle himself, you know, etc. And he actually elevated himself as, you know, and introduced paganism to to Christianity. So where do you get off by like telling me that? Uh, uh, like the early church and the Nicene Creed has anything to do with anything Jesus actually said. Oh, it doesn't. So how about like when we're reading any religious text, doesn't matter if it's the Bible or, or any other text out there, you need to apply critical thinking to it. Like seriously, <laughs> critical thinking instead okay. of just like outsourcing your thinking to other people, especially a bunch of random <laughs> old men in ancient times. No, thank you. Oh. How ENTJ of you to just go off on tangents like an ENTP? What? What? Thanks. <laughs> the, the, question, the question was, is he an ESTJ? And then you just got up on your soapbox and started preaching about uh, yeah. whether you think the content which he preached was accurate or not. So, good job. Uh, Good job. To, to answer to, to answer Linian Chen's uh, question, that would obviously be James. Uh, James is the only one who is worthy of piloting a Gundam. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> why James? Are you kidding me? If, <laughs> like, if anyone why? lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Uh, who is going to give uh, exceedingly to those who ask? Yeah. James chapter 1, verse 5. Like, that's dope. It, like, James is awesome. All he does is criticize other Christians for being so terrible. <laughs> he's just, it, like, it's almost satirical. It's so good. He's just going off about how everyone's so dumb and lacking in critical thinking. Oh, that's what I was talking about. I bet James right. and Paul would have, would have been a, it would have been a great boxing match, you know. I think that would have been amazing. Or maybe Peter versus Paul, another boxing match. <laughs> that would have been great. I would put money down on that. Who's gonna win? Uh, the uh, the guy who everyone claims is an ISFP or or the or the ENTJ. You know, we'll see, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Which Jung book has the most groundbreaking and why? Oh, uh, I think that is the Jung book that focuses on defining the cognitive senses i forget the title uh but whatever uh jung's uh oh uh okay well that's the second most important one the one specifically talking and outlining the collective unconscious that is that in my opinion is his magnum opus that is his best work in my opinion because like algebra you can't do algebra without having a concept of zero basically, just like you can't do Jungian analytical psychology without the concept of the collective unconscious. Because without the collective unconscious, none of it can make sense. 
you have to have the collective unconscious. It is the apex, the absolute center uh, piece to uh, and what the metaphysical is in order to understand any of this. So it, like the collective unconscious is the zero, basically. It is the chaos with which uh, we are able to uh, use as our fixed point in, in space-time uh, to be able to determine you know, psychology as a result. And as much as zero is used the same thing, mathematically speaking, for algebra. That's, that's literally what it is. So yeah, definitely his main book, and I forget the title of it, because it's been a long time, where he's, uh, it's like his dissertation on the collective unconscious. That is definitely the most important book, hands down. Right. Um, all right, what question are we up to here? Yeah, so- What's uh, the best way? Let's, let's get like two or three more questions, and then uh, we're gonna call it, unless someone wants to throw in a super at, chat. We're at two hours, so. Uh... Let's get a couple more in. Uh, what's the best way to get an ESFP friend to self-actualize and become more mature? He's creep He's incre Yeah, he's extremely sensitive to criticism and responds to it by getting upset and sad. I've up until this point turned a blind eye to many of his immature ideas, but they are not improving and damaging his personal life. So, what's the best way to re inspire him to change? INFP. Or an INFP else. An INFP is asking. For which type? Uh, to help an ESFP friend who has terrible ideas and is ruining his life. Uh, let the ESFP hit rock bottom uh, and don't enable him and don't really offer much help uh, because there's not very much an INFP can do uh, because they because the, uh, the ESFP needs to be criticized with someone who has TI in order for them to actually change. Uh, otherwise, they need to hit rock bottom and begin the process of change themselves. So. Right. You can't fix your plane in the air. You got to fix it on the ground. Um, I got, let me let me do this next question. How is Naruto INFJ? It's very simple. Okay, when Oof. he was growing up, he was stuck in his shadow, his ENFP shadow, which is why he behaved like a like a starter type. And a lot of people claim that Naruto is an ESFP, which is a starter type. But he's actually doing his zany charm as an ENFP focused INFJ growing up. And it wasn't until he became a man that he was actually able to completely come out of his ENFP shadow and take on his INFJ ego. Why do you think in the Boruto series, we have Naruto being a workaholic, he's an INFJ and he's using, and just like INFJs do, where they go to the foundation of the building, they see all the cracks and they just stretch themselves everywhere to hold up the building. They take everything on their own shoulders the entire time, just like Naruto does running the village with all the shadow clones because he was stuck in his shadow because he didn't have any parents. He had all these problems, you know, uh, constantly getting jeered and bullied by kids at school and everything. So he's stuck in his shadow consistently through adolescence and he came out an INFJ when he became a man. And when was the moment that, that Naruto became a man? When he defeated Nagato, an ENTP. Literally, it was the John the Baptist versus Jesus story in Nagato versus Naruto. That's literally what it's all about. And that's why he is actually an INFJ. I don't wanna hear anyone else talking about, you know, oh, he's a starter type and everything. Like, no, no, he's an INFJ. Like, seriously, he's an INFJ. Oh, and Goku, he's an ESFJ. Next. <laughs> oh, we got a, a, a super chat. Wow. Okay, the bot kicked me out again. Sorry. We got a super yeah. chat. I saw it. 
Jordan Spike asks, Goku's I am an, an ESTJ. I am an ESTJ. My parents are ISFJ and ISFP. Yeah, it's not a bad combination. Respectively. Yeah, that's not a bad combination. I get along so much better with my ISFJ parent while my ISFP parent can absolutely drive me nuts. Why do you think this is? Uh, because uh, his TE hero can interface with the TI child of the ISFJ because he's judging the ISFP parent for poor decision making because his FE demon doesn't appreciate the ISFP making emotional decisions and not making rational decisions. Uh, whereas he sees the ISFJ parent being logical with TI child and the TE hero actually appreciates that. And that's why he has more respect for the, IST, uh, the ISFJ than the ISFP in that parental situation. Okay. Uh, Aiden Washness sent another question. Can you suggest some successful INTJ businessmen? Uh, successful INTJ uh, businessmen. Uh, hmm. I mean, there's tons of them out there. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I could almost say Mark Zuckerberg, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, John Cleese, as we found out recently. Um, he's not really a businessman. Sure um, he is. Well, he's an actor. He does have businesses, you know. Uh, oh, Jessica Alba. There you go. Jessica Alba. There's an INTJ for you who, like, was obviously you know a, a, a supermodel and an actress and then she's like i don't want to be remembered for that so i'm going to start a bunch of businesses and actually change things that way and she's done that and also uh, helped a bunch of other uh you know other women along the way in the process as well but yeah jessica alba right. is a great example okay um let's see so yeah like one more question just a YouTube one because I've already saved where we're up to. Um, I'm actually trying to think of an INTJ businessman. I've seen some arguments for uh, Bill Gates being an INTJ or an INTJ. He's one of the two. I honestly don't know which NTJ he is. We'd have to study that a little bit more. I kind of want to say. Type yeah, we could type him later. I kind of want to say an ENTJ, but I'm not sure. I don't know. He just strikes me as awkward and a bit more responding to being an ENTJ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, are we good then, Jeb? Are we good for this time? Let's get one more question in. How did... Uh, here we go. Howard How Hughes is an ENTP. Here? Howard Hughes is an ENTP. Just pointing that out. Who said that? All right, I see Chris Vargas said ahead. that. Sorry, I, sorry, dude. Go ahead. <laughs> How to tell the difference between a female INTP and a female INFP? Uh, one is one uh, making decisions based person. on their emotions, and the other one's making decisions based on logic. Uh, one of them is very uh, is much more caring, and the other person could be potentially much more selfish. Uh, and uh, systematic versus uh, interest. Yeah, and one's selfish, trying yeah. to do the right thing, and the other one's just doing whatever they want, doing what works. Basically, it's just a temperament difference. Yeah. I think that's it for tonight. You want to wrap it up? Have we got another super chat? No. All right. Oh, thank you, thank Chase you, and Dev. You, thank you, Aiden. 
Thank you for being one of our uh, biggest supporters. We really appreciate it very much that you uh, spend so much time with us uh, week after week. Uh, thank you very much, yeah. sir. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's it. It's over two hours. I am very hungry and I need to eat and Same. I need to use the restroom. I mean, you're probably watching me like bob around here and it's like, yeah, man, I just got to go to the bathroom, but I'm alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone actually sent me a message and said, mm, Chase seems a bit different. Yeah, I'm also I'm also exhausted. <laughs> so, yeah, I need to sleep, and I gotta sleep soon because like I gotta. Um, I'm actually flying out to Orlando really, really early in the morning. I need to schedule my Uber for that too. My goodness. So, but yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be gone the next few days. You're probably not gonna see much posted by me. Uh, although I am gonna be filming while on the road, so uh, I'm bringing my GoPro with I'm me. I'm on the road again. Sorry. On the road again. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, bringing my GoPro with me, and I'm just going to be filming uh, myself uh, with my little mini whiteboard and uh, getting some lectures done that way. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting trip, So, and I got a lot more work to do tonight as well. So I, I just need to like get off the stream and then eat because I'm hungry and then uh, focus on just executing and then stuffing my backpack and then... And then go because I got one of those Rush seventy two backpacks, you know, from Five Eleven Tactical because like I could fit everything I need in a trip in just that. So gotta love forty liter backpacks if I do say so myself. So anyway, uh, thank you all for coming tonight. Uh, it's fantastic. Sorry I kind of the wheels fell off after ninety minutes because I was just like really tired and whatnot. But uh, we'll be back uh, in one week. Also, for those of you on Patreon, the uh, the Platinum Conference is on Saturday. Uh, don't forget. And then Friday night, I believe we're having our private, uh, typing stream as well, Mr. Jab. So those are scheduled. Yeah. Uh, I think it's nine Eastern on Friday for the private typing. And I think it's six o'clock Eastern on Saturday, uh, for the, uh, platinum conference as well. Uh, so, yes. uh, not, so those not too you, late to subscribe to Patreon, not too late. It's we're going to be doing that. I'll also be releasing another uh, private lecture as well for Patreon next week and uh, should be getting another two lectures out, uh, regular lectures, maybe three regular lectures. Just depends on uh, how it goes over the trip. We'll see. Uh, and I got like a lot of video editing because we're like editing and whatnot. And I promise we're going to have an intro really soon, which is awesome. It's going to be like yeah. next step. It's going to be the dopest. I'm like totally looking forward to it. So anyway, uh, with all that being said, folks. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Whiteboard Becky. And it's kind of interesting that they're named Whiteboard Becky. Uh, someone like uh -huh. made a meme of me holding a whiteboard and that was like my weapon and it was like shielding me from things and I was using it to beat up zombies or something. That was pretty cool. Um, nice. I don't remember where it is though. Anyway, <laughs> gotta get going. So uh, you folks yeah. have, uh, have a good night and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, 